ministries through the month of January on prayer and fasting. And what I'm going to be doing during this series, Lord willing, is just kind of teaching us more than preaching to us about what it really means, what the Bible teaches us about prayer and fasting, and why that's so important to us in the Christian faith. And so I want to spend the, the next few weeks kind of kind of teaching about what this really means for us. I think there's a lot of times where we, where we hear things as Christians, maybe new believers, and we don't really understand it. So I want to spend the next few weeks doing that, and then I want to lead us into a time. I'm going to challenge us. I believe the Holy Spirit's challenged me, and I'm going to challenge us as a church to do this. Uh, in the month of February, starting February 2nd, we're going to start a, an all-church corporate fast from February 2nd to February 22nd. That's 21 days. And during that time, we're going to be praying and fasting together corporately as a church. Now, that, that, means, that can mean something different for every single one of us. So it's okay. Take a deep breath. We're not all going to starve ourselves for 21 days. That's not what this is about. We're going to talk about that some more. But from February 2nd to February 22nd, we're going to, we're going to walk through that 21-day fast together. And during that time, the church is going to be open at different times of the day for specific times of prayer if you're giving up certain meals of the day, the church will be open for you to come if you want to and can to get away and come and pray. Uh, we're going to have a plan for you that we'll have prepared for you in the next couple of weeks. You'll have the ability to, to have the plan in front of you and help, uh, just a tool to help you if you want that. And then what that does, February 22nd, that leads us right into Ash Wednesday, which then you think, Pastor, we just came through a fast and now you're expecting us to fast for Lent? That's up to you and God. Uh, but what I want to do on Ash Wednesday, we've always had a special all-church Ash Wednesday service. This year for Ash Wednesday, I would love for us to finish that fast and come together as a church on Ash Wednesday and just have a night of testimony and praise and worship as we gather together on Ash Wednesday to begin that Lenten season. And that leads us right into the two weeks before revival starts with uh, Dr. David McKellips. And so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and so it's just, it's just a great season that God has orchestrated in the planning of the new year. And I'm looking forward to it. I believe, and I told the church board this at our, at our December fellowship time together, I said, I believe 2020 is the year that we're going to look back on as a church and we're going to say, wow, God really did something for us through us in 2020. This time has been a time of preparation. This time has been a time of tilling the soil, of planting the seed, of watering it. And I believe if we're obedient to the Lord's leading us in 2020, we're going to look back at this as be a watermark year for us as a church. I really do believe that. But I know that it's only going to happen as we come together as a, as a church body, as a body of believers together, uniting together through prayer and fasting, saying, God, we are all in. As Pastor Greg preached last week, what does it mean to be in Christ? We are all in with you. We are all in in what you're doing here. So I'm looking forward to that. If you're, if you're not excited about that, would you just give us, give us a few weeks? Just kind of come back, trust, trust the Lord and what he's doing. Uh, if you really don't want to do that, go home and just watch on Facebook, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to really speak to us when we commit and surrender to, to him in this. So Lord, I just ask you to come right now in this moment. Would you open our hearts? Would you open our minds? Would you open our ears? Would you, would you remove any preconceived notions or misunderstandings of what we think this to be? Would you remove the attitude of, I already got this together, I already figured this out? 
would you open us up to be receptive to something you want for us in this season of life? And I pray, God, that 2020, the year 2020, would be a year that you can use PCN as the lighthouse that you need it to be. And that we all, as individuals, will come together in corporate unity, surrendered to your will and your way. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. Thank you for what you've been doing. And we trust you today as we look to your word to teach us, to give us insight, to challenge us. And I pray that you'd help us to be obedient to what we hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> a couple of questions to start off. Have you ever felt like your prayers go unanswered? Have you ever felt like your prayers go unanswered? Like there's something in your life that, that you're praying about, but it just seems to hit the ceiling. And it just kind of gets stuck. And you think, why do I got to keep praying for this? It just doesn't seem to be answered. And, and many times, we talked about this, we've, we've preached on prayer before, and what does unanswered prayer really mean? And is it God really trying to answer us in a way that we don't want to receive that answer? Uh, but there's times when I just feel like our prayers don't get answered. They're, they're, they're just sitting out there. As the Bible teaches, they're just sitting in that bowl in heaven, and we're waiting for God to pick our prayer out and answer it. And I don't think that's how it works, but sometimes that's how it feels, right? And we feel like our prayers go unanswered. And, and maybe you feel like, Something's missing in your life. You ever felt like there's just something that's not right? There's a void. There's something missing. I just can't put my finger on it, but I feel like there's just something off. Anybody ever felt like that? A couple of you. Okay. The rest of you, you'll catch up with us, and it'll be okay, right? Amen? All in favor, say aye. All right, you're awake. Let's keep going then. That, good, good, good. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about our feelings, that they matter, that they're significant, that they're legitimate. But our feelings aren't always facts. And the truth of God's word is, are the facts that we need to live by to really have a great new year. Amen? One of the challenges I believe we face as a church, and let alone as a society and a culture, is that we don't think that people today clearly or maybe truly hear from God. And I think it's, it's important for us, especially in the church, that we consider how we go about living this out, okay? I want to be very careful how I say this because I believe this is very important for us. If we are going to be united as a church, that it's, it's important for us to believe that God has called us all here for such a time as this, okay? As your pastor, I believe that God has called me through your confirmation to be your shepherd in this time. I truly believe that. I'm humbled by that opportunity but I also know that there's many of us, myself included, that we look to other people to be that shepherd. And we look to other people to fill that void, and we use excuses, and maybe we don't do it here. I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. I haven't heard it so much, but I've heard it from other churches, and it, it saddens me. When we say things like, you know what, I'm really not being fed. My, my pastor doesn't really feed me. And then we, then we can use that rationalization when we say, well, his job, according to Scripture, he said to Peter, Peter, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. You have one job, preacher, is to feed me. If all we did was feed you, you'd be fat sheep. I just spent a week on a cruise boat. I probably gained 10 pounds. I'm a fat sheep this morning, okay? If all we do is eat and eat and eat, we become fat. 
But I believe as a shepherd, it's our job to continue to move us from place to place, to guide and direct us. And while we're doing that, we're feeding on what God has for us. We're trusting Him to guide and direct us. And so my prayer for us during this season of time is that we can come together and be united together as one here, one body. And I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm not saying I'm the divine anointed one. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, for a season, would you just challenge yourself to ask God to show us all together? Can we do that? I believe God wants to do something spectacular in our midst, but we've got to pray and unite together through prayer and fasting to really tap into what God wants us to have. And I believe for the next few weeks, I want to talk to you about what God's Word shows us, about how we can fix this problem of feeling like something's missing or feeling like our prayers are going unanswered. So I want us to look together at our passage from God's Word this morning in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. Matthew chapter 17. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 14. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you this morning. Would you follow along as I read these words from the Gospel of Matthew? When they came to a crowd, to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He's had seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus' words, You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. This is a story in Scripture that Jesus is involved in of casting out a demon, but he's also doing a few other things here that really show us one of the major and real problems we have today as believers and followers of Christ. Here's the very real problem that we have to deal with today. In this passage, there are some very key words that illuminate our minds, if you will, to a very real problem that we're facing. And here it is in verse 17. He says, You unbelieving and perverse generation. Jesus replied. So I want you to stop here for a minute. I want you to see what this says. It does not say... You unbelieving and perverse generation, Pastor BJ said. It does not say, you have it all together, you figured it out, so good for you, you're a great generation, the greatest of all time, said Jesus. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. So to give you a little background of what's going on here, here's the real problem. These are very strong words from our, from our Savior, from our Messiah. I want us to break it down a little bit and see where Jesus is coming from and what he really means. What do these two words really mean about our faith, about our life, our walk with him? First of all is the word unbelieving. Unbelieving simply means this. You are not connected to God. You are not connected to God. So when you think of this verse, you can t pull that word out, unbelieving, and what, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, you are not connected to me. You are not connected to the Father. You don't believe, 
You don't have trust. You don't have faith. You are unbelieving. You are not connected to me. But he doesn't stop there. But I, he, he goes on to say another word, but I need us to know something here before we go on. He is not talking to the guy who came to him with this problem. Some people try to miss, they miss, they miss, they miss grasp this, this passage. And I think there's a lot of stuff going on here, and we, we can easily do that because there's crowds that are following Jesus at all the time. And we can think he's talking to the, to the whole of the crowd, maybe. And he's saying, you unbelieving and perverse generation, all of you out there. Or maybe he's saying to this guy, how many times do I got to take these demons out? You guys keep coming to me with these same problems. You unbelieving and perverse person of this generation. And we can think that, that there's something wrong with this guy. That's not who he's talking to. What we don't like to hear is the truth sometimes when it hurts. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to you and to me. He's talking to the people that believe and trust in him. And he's saying, John, Peter, James, Matthew, you're unbelieving and perverse. How long do I got to put up with you? Those are strong words coming from a man who they spend every waking moment with. Unbelieving, not connected to God. When we are unbelieving about the things of God, even in the midst of him calling us to him, the reality is that we are not connected to him enough. We are unbelieving. Then he goes on to use another strong word, perverse, perverse. Simply put, perverse, this word means we are too connected to the world. We are too connected to the world. Once again, he's not speaking to the crowds. He's not speaking to the man who brings him the problem. He's speaking to the men who have left everything to follow him. He's speaking to the men that are closest to him. He's speaking to those that have been following him for all of these weeks, days, months, even years at this point. He's speaking to all of them that are close to him and he's saying, you know what, even though you're right here, you are still too connected to the things of this world, and you're not connected enough to the Father. Very strong words that he's speaking directly to his followers. I believe as Christians there's times when, when we are very much so unbelieving and perverse. We are not connected to God, and in turn we are probably too connected to the world. And we tend to use excuses or rationale, and I've said these things myself, so I'm not exempt to these things, but we say these types of sayings. Well, I'm supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And we use that as an excuse, or we use that as a reasoning. And it's true that we are, we are called to be in the world, but we're also called to be holy and set apart and different, something that the world should be attracted to us, not the other way around. And so Jesus is saying to us here, you unbelieving and perverse generation. He's saying, you're not connected to me, and in fact, you're too plugged in over here to the things of this world, and you use rationale reasoning, but in reality, I need you to be connected to me. I need you to put aside the world for a minute, and I need you to connect more with me, push away from the world, and draw closer to him. Amen? Still with me? And then the other excuse we tend to use sometimes is, well, if I'm not supposed to be so connected to the world, how can I impact the world for Christ? 
if I'm not committed to being involved in the world. I've said this before. You know, that's our mission field. We go out these doors, and everybody we come in contact with is, is, is our mission field. And it's true. It doesn't matter if you're homeschooled or public schooled. It doesn't matter if you have a job or you're retired. It doesn't matter what you do. If you are living in Christ all in, and you are connected to the Father and you're pushing away from the things of the world that will, that will change us, that will, that will in, inhabit who we are, and instead we connect to God, then we go out into the world, and the world looks at us like, whoa, you are weird. But it's a good weird. It's a good weird because we say, you know what? I'm different because I'm plugged into him first and foremost. And, and yeah, I'm in this world, and I'm walking through this world with you, and guess what? I'm not perfect. I am unbelieving and perverse at times, but I want to be more connected to Him and less connected from the world so that I can gauge those things and have eyes to see things the way He sees them. This is free. It's not in your notes. I was, again, in the airport watching people yesterday. Uh, I have a hard time talking to people just out of the blue. Uh, I'm not like Pastor Greg. Pastor Greg can talk to a tree and convert it. You know, it's, um, and I say that as a good thing. He's, I don't, I'm not, I'm not demeaning. I wish I was more like that. I can't do that. Um, Greg has a, an incredible gift in dealing with people, and I'm so thankful for that. So I sit there and watch him instead. And I sit there and I pray. And I say, God, if there's an open door here, you're going to have to push me through it because I need your help. <laughs> In this situation and one in particular person I saw yesterday we were sitting there we'd been sitting there for hours as we're waiting and um, this lady gets off of a flight and she's running and she's got a kid that's chasing her behind they're late for the next flight and her shirt says something that I thought was really cool it said love is love now I kind of figured what it was trying to say she was probably a person who was a proponent of the LGBT community and their lifestyle and what they do. Love is love. It doesn't matter who you are or who you love. It just is love. Love is love. And I thought for a minute, that's really cool. And then I heard her conversation as she's talking to somebody on the phone and there's just blankety-blank, beepity-beep, and her daughter is running behind her. And it dawned on me, my Bible says God is love. So really what she's saying, and she doesn't even realize she's saying it with her shirt, is that God is God. Yet she wasn't acting like it. Because she didn't know it. You see, she was so consumed with the world and the things going on in her world that she has her way of thinking that her way is right and it's the only way and it's got to be the only way. If there's really truly a God, why would he want anybody to die or go to hell? I'm here to tell you he doesn't. Why would he judge anybody for the way they live their life? In fact, he created them. Because he created us with a purpose. He created us to be connected to him and follow his laws and obey his command. That's a whole other message. But anyway, it, it made me think, you know what, as I'm in this world, am I really showing people that God is God? That love is love? That he is who he says because I'm so connected with him that I see other people the way he sees them. Case in point, just a few minutes later, we're getting in line. There were two or three ladies that were sitting in wheelchairs waiting to get help under the plane. 
and they always get help, but there was few helpers to help them onto the plane. And there were two helpers, and they took the first two ladies, and the third lady sat there, and she started crying. And she kept, she was, you could tell she was worried. She's like, what about me? What about me? And she was, she was broken. She was hurting, and she started to cry. And another lady came over and began to comfort her and console her. And Alicia made a comment to me. She said, you know what? She's probably got some real problems. I said, maybe we should pray for her. So we stood there and, and said a prayer for her. We didn't go up and talk to her. She was dealing with this other lady. But we could tell there was really a hurt in her. And I can guarantee you this. This was not because I'm a pastor of a church that I could see this. This was not because I've had training and studying about what God wants us to do and not want us to do. That was not why, it, why we saw this or experienced it. I truly believe the reason I saw this and experienced this yesterday was because all morning I was praying, God, give me eyes to see somebody the way you see them. Give me eyes to see somebody who's hurting, and if I can do something, would you let me help them? And granted, I didn't get to say a word to this lady. But I can tell you this, I didn't stop praying for her. And as we got up and we rushed to the middle aisle <laughs> at the end of the plane, I saw her get off. And I just thanked the Lord that we made it safely. And I prayed for her journey going forward. Now, is that going to change the world? Probably not. But I can tell you this, this is for me, that was one step for me that I could be more connected to him and push away from the world. Because it's easy to be in the world and say, you know what? She's just being selfish. Why can't she just get over this? We're all waiting here. It's no big deal. That's, that's how I probably would have responded had I not been praying earlier in the day for that. You see, when Jesus says to us as Christians, you're unbelieving and perverse, you're not connected to the Father, you're too connected to the world, that is a real problem that we have. You know, we cannot serve two masters. We can be in the world. God created us in community, and we are here for a purpose, but we need to be connected to God more so. In other words, we can't have two masters, and if there's a real problem, then there's probably a reason there's a problem. And if we look further into this story, we look at verse 19. We didn't read it in our text, but I want us to see the rest of the story here. Verse 19, the disciples came to Jesus in private, and they asked him, why couldn't we drive it out? So I had a problem with this verse. I had a problem with this verse because if... If a man in a crowd of, let's just say there's a thousand people there. That'd be a small crowd for Jesus. If there's a thousand people and this man comes up to Jesus and he gets all the way to the front and he says, Jesus, Jesus, I need your help. And he explains the whole situation. And then he says, your, your buddies over there, they couldn't do anything about it. This guy just called us out in front of a thousand people. And we're just going to sit here and take it? They did, but then they go to Jesus in private. And they ask him, why couldn't we drive it out? Why did they go to him in private? And so I started studying that. Why did they go to him in private? They went to him in private because they were ashamed. They were ashamed that they were unbelieving and perverse, that they weren't connected enough to make a difference. They were ashamed that they couldn't make it count when it mattered most. I was playing basketball as, when I was growing up, and I was a point guard of this, this basketball team. And, and 
God had, God had given me a, a gift of playing ball, and I enjoyed playing basketball. And I was a point guard for this team. It was actually one of the leaders on this team. And coaches really looked at me to, to make a difference on the team. And we were getting ready for this tournament that was coming up. And we were in practice one day, and, and, and we're going through the plays, and we're working on this new play. And, and I'm as the point guard. I've got the ball in my hands, and I'm trying to make the play work. And in the middle of the play, I made a, I made a stupid error, and I made a pass, and it resulted in a turnover and points the other direction, and my coach just lit into me right in front of everybody, yelling and screaming through his clipboard down. He gets in my face, and he's like, we can't do this if you can't get this play through your head. And he just yelled and yelled and yelled, and he, he just lit into me. And every, my, the hair on the back of my neck started rising up. I'm like, boy, this, this is not fun. But I didn't say anything to him right then. In fact, I went to him after practice. I said, Coach, I'm sorry. Sorry I let the team down. I'm sorry that I'm having trouble with this, but what am I missing here? What do I need to do so that I can make a difference when it counts? How can I get better? How can you help me? How, what do I need to do to fix this problem? You see, I needed to connect the dots in the game to to, to make the play work at just the right time so that it would help our team win a ball game. And I believe that Jesus is looking at us as his believers and saying, I can't have you unbelieving and perverse. I need you to be ready when you're in the game. I need you to be ready and able to be the real answer to somebody's problem. See, the, really, the very real problem that we have is that we're unbelieving and per perverse. But Jesus goes on to give them the answer. And here's the very real answer for us today. A very real answer comes in verses 19 to 21. And we've got to flip over to Mark's gospel to see the end of the story as well. So you can jot it down. It's going to be on the screen for you. But verses 19 through 21, and then you've got to jump over to Mark 9, 29 to get the end of the story. It's the same story, just a different author. But you've got to get both parts here to make it a whole. Here it is, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Verse 20, he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Then you jump over to Mark chapter 9, verse 29. He continues and he says, Jesus says this, this kind this demon, this need, this problem that's in front of you can only come out by prayer and fasting. So the very real problem that we have today is two words. We're unbelieving and perverse. And I believe Jesus gives us the answer in two words, prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. So here it is. Let's just break it down as simply as we did before. What does the word prayer really mean? The word prayer really means I'm connecting to God, or I'm connected to Him. What is prayer? Prayer is communication. Prayer is talking. Prayer is having a relationship. What does that mean? Who are we praying to? We're praying to God. So therefore, prayer is simply put, I'm connecting to God. How do we fix being unbelieving, not connected to God? We pray. Amen? Anybody here believe that? Amen. Jesus isn't trying to reinvent the wheel here. He's trying to give us a practical solution to a very real problem. And the very real answer is prayer, connecting to God, and fasting. What is fasting? Simply put, fasting is this. 
Fasting is disconnecting from the world. We're disconnecting from the world. We're pushing away from a desire that we have that is something that is not God. Point blank. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It doesn't mean it's something that's a problem. It just means that we're disconnecting from it so that we can connect to Him. Does that make sense? The very real problem is that we are perverse and unbelieving. The very real answer is that we need to pray and fast. You see, prayer is our way of communicating with God. And the more we communicate with God, the more we get to know Him, the more we connect with Him on a deeper and more intimate level, the more we will know Him, the more we will enjoy be spending time with him, the more we will desire when we wake up, it won't be, oh, what do I got to do today? It's going to be, God, I'm so glad you gave me another day. And it changes our focus. It changes our perspective. You've heard the story before of the, the husband and the wife that were kind of going through it. And they were at the end of a really trying time in their relationship. And the wife said to the husband, why don't you just love me or show me you love me anymore? I need you to tell me more. I need you to show me that you love me. And the husband said, well, what do you mean? I do love you. We've been together for 30 years. Well, I need you to do something for me. Buy me a gift or tell me I look pretty or tell me that you're attracted to me or, or do something that's going to show me that you love me. And the husband looks at her and says, you know what? I married you 30 years ago. I told you I loved you then. If it changes, I'll let you know. Has that ever worked for you? If it has, you probably have a very comfortable couch. Um, I believe it's the same way with God. God says, I created you. I love you. I want to bless you abundantly. But I need you to want it too. I need you to want to have a desire to connect with me. And I'm not going to force it to you. You know, God's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anybody but he gives us that choice to answer the real problem, to pray and to fast. Fasting simply means to disconnect from the world. Very briefly, very quickly, I want to give us a little teaching moment that will help us to understand this a little bit fuller and more in depth. Each and every one of us is made in the image of God. That is not my declaration to you as something new. That is in God's word. It is his promise. We are made in his image, in his likeness. Male and female, he created them. Genesis, okay? We are made in his image. God, <coughs> excuse me, God is a triune God. What that means, he is, he is one God in three parts. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe in one God, three equal parts. He's a triune God. So if we are made in the image of God, get this, we are the only creation in all of his creation as human beings that was created as a triune being. Okay? Stay with me. Stay with me. We are body, soul, and spirit. We're the only creation that's that way. Somebody may argue with me, well, my animals, my animals, you know what? Animals are, are God's creation, but they only have two of the three. Okay? Well, all dogs go to heaven. There's a movie about it. It must be true. Cats, not so much. All dogs... No, but here's, here, I want you to get this because this is true. This is scientific, okay? A, a dog or a cat or an animal, they have a brain. They've been given a body. They have desires that they try to meet in their physical world. They also have a, a, they also, let me make sure I get this right. They also have a soul 
which our soul is our emotions. When I walk through, when I walk home and I see my new dog, that tail starts wagging. Why? Because he's happy to see me. He's got emotions. He can, he can feel that. When I have to discipline that dog, he puts his tail down and he runs away. He's got a brain. He's got a body and soul. I'm here to tell you this is, they don't have a spirit. Okay? So when an animal dies, I don't, I'm trusting the Lord to answer all those questions. But I believe, because God has shown me this this week, that we are the only triune creation. We have body, soul, and spirit. So here's, here's the thing we got to get today, okay? That at any point in our life, any and every point in our life, one of those three, body, soul, or spirit, is dominating the other two, okay? So when you think about it, we're going to talk about fasting here, and some, one of the things that people automatically go to with fasting is food. So when you're fasting food and you're giving up food and you're, and you're taking away and disconnecting from that, that physical body hunger, you are denying body of food, your body begins to do things. And, and it begins to, to yell at you, okay? And, and some, some people call those uh, um, hunger pains. That's what some people call them. Or angry pains or, you know, but our body begins to, to carry with it when we start not feeling right, we start to get emotional, don't we? So that body affects the soul. You see that? So then those two are dominating the spirit because if I'm so focused on the fact that the preacher's talking about food and it's already 1120 and I don't know what I'm going to eat and I'm starting to feel that grumbling in my stomach and those hunger pains are coming, would he just be quiet and move on, you know, all this stuff. But here's the thing. Our body, it, it, we try to go to, to answer those, those signals. When you have those pangs, you go and you try to eat. Or women, you'll be with me on this one. If... When you're pregnant and you have those cravings, you know what I'm talking about? I had sympathy cravings. Anybody else had sympathy cravings? Amen, yeah. I gained, never mind, that's a whole different story too. We'll do anything for that. We'll do anything for that, that Oreo. We'll do anything for that pickle wrapped in bacon or whatever it may be. I don't know. But there's times in our life where that body, that, that the way we were created to get that pain taken care of, we will do anything to get it. And that one thing dominates the other two. Because we will move heaven and earth to make sure that we get that food. When we go on this ski trip, we go to Galena, Illinois. Did you know that in Galena, Illinois, it's one of the, it's the closest, I believe, the closest place that has a Taco John's. This guy wants Taco John's when we go on the ski trip. Sadly, last year, we did not get Taco John's. I was a little bitter. It affected my soul and my emotions. Thankfully, it didn't affect my spirit. <laughs> no, but that thing just, it drives what we are at that moment. Think about it with your, with your soul, with your emotions. We're all emotional beings. And I'm not going to tell jokes here because somebody will get offended and, and that's, plays in our emotions, and then you're going to hold this resentment, and it's just going to build and build and build, and you're not going to be able to sleep. You're going to be so mad at your pastor because he hurt your feelings, and you're just going to let it well and well and well and well and well. You're not going to sleep. You're going to get hangry. You're going to get, you're going to, when you're not asleep, you get depressed, and so it affects your body and all this stuff. Do you see how it works together? Why? Because sometimes we get so emotional that we think we, 
it, it drives everything we do. But what God has designed us for is that the Spirit would dominate the other two. So how does that happen? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Prayer and fasting. Because when I connect to God through prayer, I'm communing with Him, I'm talking to Him, that means my spirit is having a spiritual conversation with my Creator, which that in turn is disconnecting me from the world because I'm focused on the eternal and the spiritual. I don't necessarily need to worry about the, the, the body issues and the hunger pains. Now that is a way, and I believe this full-heartedly, that it is a way that, that the enemy will attack us. Case in point, have you ever been praying or seeking God diligently and that desire, that craving comes? Or that emotional baggage that you have arises or I won't ask you to raise your hand have you ever fallen asleep praying the disciples did it why because their body was taking over Jesus said to him can't you just pray for an hour I bet they were thinking no boss we're tired but Jesus knew what was going on so how do we allow the spirit to dominate the other two prayer and fasting we connect to God, we disconnect from the world. And when we do those two things, guess what? That really elevates the spirit. Because then it's not just one thing dominating the other two. We're incorporating these, these special weapons that we have in prayer and fasting, and body and soul have no chance. Amen? That's good news. So if we really desire and expect to get and to hear from the Lord, guess what we need to do? We need to put aside those things. We need to disconnect from the world, and we need to say, God, I'm all in. Right now, I'm all in. And maybe as you start this whole process and we learn more about it, maybe all in for you is two minutes, okay? That's okay. God can take your two minutes. He can change the world with your two minutes. No, you can't, Pastor. You're just saying that. I believe it that if we disconnect from the world and we give him two minutes of our time, that two minutes is then going to turn into three to four to five. Why? Because we're longing for it. We desire it more. Our craving is for spirit, not for body and soul. I don't know about you, but that craving for spirit, when that is going on, when I'm in the middle of this season in my life, it's like, I don't, I don't want anything else. I don't care about food. I don't care about the things of this world. I just want to be with him. I just want to be so in sync with Him that nothing else matters because when I'm in sync with Him, He'll take care of the rest. Amen? Romans 8, 1-17 is very important because this kind of solidifies what I'm talking about here. And I want to read it very quickly to you. Here's what it says in, in Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh body, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, the body, but according to the Spirit. 
Those who live according to the flesh, the body, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh or to the body, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I believe that God has something big in store for PCN. But if we live according to the desires of our flesh, what our body wants, what we think is best in our understanding and strength, we will die. Pastor, we're not going to die. We have a long history. Churches are going to... I'm not saying that but we will never live to the full potential of what God wants us to be. If we live according to the soul and we live according to our emotions and, and because of the, of the past history that we have and the traditions that we have and the things that, that great, 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 great grandma started and we lose sight of the fact that God wants to do a new thing and in fact he's already begun and he, and he wants to take us to new heights and new levels and he wants to bless us all over again and the greatest days are ahead of us, not behind us, then we got to stop living by emotion. And we got to get in tune with the Spirit. And we got to say, Spirit of God, I want to live by the Spirit because according to the Spirit, there's life. Guess what? If there's life by the Spirit, there cannot be death. Amen. That's good news. If there's life by the Spirit, we can't die. In other words, we serve and live for an undefeated God. If we're living by the Spirit, His Spirit, we're not going to lose. That means when we step out in faith in this year, we start doing some crazy things because the God that we serve and love says, you know what, church, I need you to do this. I don't know what it is yet. I'm still going to pray and fast about it. But it makes me want to go, I'm going to say yes, God, because I'm going to live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh, and not according to my emotions. I'm going to trust you that you know what you're doing. So I may be unbelieving and perverse at times, but corporately, 
I believe God wants to take us through this time of fasting in February where we come together in unity and we say, God, through prayer and through fasting, I want to connect with you and I want to disconnect from the things that distract me from you. See, fasting is not about punishment. It's not that we do as a sort of penance or to make up for our wrongs. Fasting is a way that we can disconnect from things that distract us and we can focus on connecting with Him. Fasting isn't just about food. Fasting is about those things of the world that dominate spirit being in control. And we have to allow God to help us through prayer and fasting to really have an encounter that changes who we are. So here's my practical challenge for us. Some of this is not going to make sense yet. We're going to work through this in the next couple weeks. Number one is this. We need to set an objective. We need to set an objective for our fast. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to declare dependence on God. You're not going to depend on me. You're not going to depend on Pastor Greg, Pastor Alicia. If you do, you're going to fail. You're not going to depend on the church board or your small group leader. You're not going to depend on them. If you want this to be successful and we want to really get what God has for us, we need to say, right now, I'm declaring total dependence on him. What he says goes. Amen? All in favor say aye. Next, we need to ask forgiveness. Many of us have already done this. We've done this corporately. We've prayed and prayed and prayed, and we've asked for God to forgive us of anything seen or unseen. We've asked God to forgive us of, of things, and I believe that was all preparation but I believe we need to continually have a spirit of repentance that says, God, I know I mess up. There's times when I don't see the lady in the airport that needs prayer. There's times when I treat somebody poorly and my attitude is not right. God, forgive me. There's times when I connect too much with the world and I need to connect more with you. God, forgive me. You see, it's not always that we need, we need to come down to an altar and, and ask God to redo us all over again. That's not it, but we need to continually be working out our relationship with him by saying, God, I'm not in control. You are. And we do that by saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've taken control back. I need you to forgive me. Next thing we need to do is we need to focus on the eternal. We need to focus on the eternal or refocus on the eternal. You know, it's easy for us as a church to say, you know what, things that are spiritual matter and, 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 and heaven is our goal but we're still on earth while we've got to work through this mundane. I don't believe that's true. I believe that when we become Christians, that piece of heaven comes down and that we're living our eternal life right now. And we, re we need to refocus on the eternal, refocus on what matters, what's important, what's going to last. The next thing is this. We need to invite the presence of God. Invite the presence of God. It's, it's hard for us to invite the presence of God if we're not praying. Okay? I'm going to talk more about this tonight, about inviting the presence of God. We need to invite him to come in. Say, God, you are welcome here. You have full reign. And then another part of this objective is we need to believe for specific answers. We need to believe for specific answers. So we've got to set the objective. We do that by doing all of these things. We're going to declare dependence on God, ask forgiveness, invite him in, and we're going to believe for specific answers. Number two we need to do this. Set the objective number two. We need to decide on the fast. Again, you don't, you don't have all the details here, but here's some things that can give you kind of pique your interest. Fasting is anything that's of the world that we're too connected to and not connected enough to God. So here's a couple, a couple ideas. Food. That's one very important one. 
our body wants to dominate soul and spirit through food. And it's very important that we realize that that's a very real problem, a very real need that we all have, that we all need to deal with and trust God for. So food is one of those things that could be fasted. Beverages, what are you talking about? This is going to be hard for me because I've, God, as I've been prepping this, Pastor Greg, God's like, just give up your life, you know. I've, I've learned to like coffee. Caffeine keeps me going. Maybe that's it for you. I don't know. Social media. Some, maybe some of you are so concerned about how many likes you get on your selfie instead of how much he loves you and cares about you. I don't care if you have two trillion followers and they all like every photo you post. It's not equivalent to God's love for you. Maybe we need to push back on social media. Habits that distract us. Habits that distract us. This could be anything. It, it doesn't have to be bad. Things that, are, things that take our priority over things of God. So for this 21 days, I'm going to say no to the things that I have habits of that are distracting me that I could be spending on focused time on Him. They could be good things. They could be bad things. Maybe there's some bad habits that God wants to take away from you in this 21 days. I pray that He does it. Studies show that it takes 22 days to develop a habit. 22 days consistently. We're doing a 21-day fast. I would almost guarantee you, if you did the same thing for 21 days, that 22nd day is going to come a little bit easier. And then guess what? You've got a new habit. You've got a new habit. And then the type of fast, daily or weekly. For this 21-day fast, it's going to be something I'm going to challenge us to do every day for that 21 days, whatever that may be. I'm not asking everybody to do the same thing. That's why we're going to decide on the fast together during this time of January and prepping for it. So we're going to set the objective. We're going to decide on the fast. Number three, we're going to expect results. Here's some two key. We're almost done, I promise. Here's some two key scriptures that we need to see when we talk about expecting results. They're on the screen for you. Isaiah 58, 8, and 9. Isaiah saying this. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. Those promises we sang about earlier, right here. The word will is the biggest promise we have from God. He will answer. He will show up. He will say, Here I am. Thank you for coming and spending time with me. He is going to be so pleased that you are setting aside time to connect with him. Isaiah 58, 8, 9. He will answer us. Daniel 10, 11 through 13. We need to know something here. Daniel is starting to fast, and we're going to talk about Daniel a little bit because he does some specific 21-day fasting periods. But here he's dealing with some, some spiritual realms, some, some angels. And this is what the angel of the Lord says to Daniel. He said, Daniel, you are highly favored. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, Daniel said, I stood up trembling. The angel then said, he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But here's the catch, watch this. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for how long? 21 years days. If the enemy can get you to resist this 21 days, 
He's got no problem getting you to resist the rest of the year. Doesn't matter. If he can get you to resist this 21 days, and he will win that battle. But the angel of the Lord says, I have been fighting for you for 21 days. I have been wrestling. I've been in battle for you for 21 days because this prince of darkness was battling me and didn't want me to come to you. But he came. Anyway, get this. It goes on to say, Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. I think this is so cool. Michael, the, Michael's one of the big dogs in heaven. Amen? He's one of the named angels in the book. You check it out. It's in there. It's true. Okay? If he's named in the book, he's got to be pretty important. And Michael, the archangel, we, we say that sometimes about him. We give him that descriptor. This angel of the Lord's coming to Daniel saying, I was coming to fight for you. I was fighting for you while you were praying, while you were seeking understanding, while you were connecting to God. And it might have seemed like your, answer, your prayers were being unanswered. It might have seemed like your, there was something missing. But guess what? I was fighting for you. I was fighting for you. And then, because it was so important that you were committed to this, Michael came. Michael came and helped us to finish the job. Here's the point to that. Expect God to show up. If you're going to commit 21 days, that's a long time, folks. That's three weeks. I can't do anything for three weeks, Pastor. What are you trying to do, kill me? No, I'm trying to give you life. I'm trying to give us life. I'm trying to bring something to, that God would say to us, if you will just humble yourself, you would seek understanding, you would connect with me through prayer and fasting. Guess what? I will show up. We need to expect it. We need to expect it. Expect results. Here's what we're going to close with today. Here's your homework. Four simple things. <clears throat> Pray. I want you to begin to ask God to open your heart to hear from Him. Number two, I want you to obey. If you're going to pray, He's going to talk to you. Talking communication is two-way street. He may talk to you through His Word. He may talk to you through your circumstances. But when he does, you need to obey it. You can't just pray and just let it go. You need to obey what he's telling you. Number two, pray. Number three, we need to join. Join us all as we endeavor to connect to God more and disconnect from the world. Pray about this. Pray that you can join us on this 21-day journey. Pray that you will come each week in January to seek more understanding, to really understand what God wants for you during this time and what he wants for us as a church. Join us in this. We are not alone in this journey of life. We're in this together. Join us, please. Number four, submit. Submit first to God, but also I want you to submit some prayer concerns that maybe we can be praying together as a church. You can submit those to, to me. You have my contact information. If you've got an email or a bulletin today, you have my email, my phone number. You don't have the church office phone number. You have a way to get a hold of me. If you don't want to give it to anybody else and you just want it for our eyes, send it directly to my email. If you want to send it to the church email, We'll get it. We'll be praying over these things. But we'll add them to a list because we're going to submit some things that we as a church for 21 days can be focused in praying on. Okay? There's a lot of churches that are doing this right now. First of the year. They started 21 day, and they, they've put out a lot of prayer lists for what they can do and what they're praying for as a church collectively. I think those are awesome. But our church needs are different. 
And so we need us to, to submit what you believe are the, are the greatest needs of our church. I've been presenting these to the board from my perspective. We're going to have those on the list. We're going to be praying for those. But I want you to submit some of those things. But I want you to be thinking in the mindset of the church as a whole. What can we do as a church to be connected? What does that mean? What does our building plan look like? We've talked about this building plan. What's going on with that? Well, guess what? We need some more clarity. We need God to direct us in that. What about staff and programming changes? What about that? What, is, what if that's what God wants for us? Children's and youth programs, adult ministry, new life groups starting, new groups starting. That's awesome. But there's more ministries that we can share life together with. We've got to submit to what God has for us in 2020. Amen? We're not in this alone. Would you stand with me? I pray that you would come back tonight. We're going we're gonna to dive into the whisper voice of God tonight. How he wants to speak to us and why did he whisper to us. So as we get into this, into this season of prayer and fasting, I want you to just begin to ask God to open your mind and your heart to what he has for you. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this time. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for giving grace to a long-winded preacher. Thank you for teaching us. And God, I pray that you go before us. Would you go ahead to February 2nd? And would you already pave the way for February 2nd to be a great day to start? Would you pave the way for February 3rd and 4th all the way to the 22nd? Would you protect that time on our calendars right now so that nothing will interrupt this 21-day focus of prayer and fasting. God, I don't want to be unbelieving and perverse any longer. I want you to give us answers. And God, as we do that, as we leave this place today, we will begin to pray and to trust you. Give us courage to obey. And we will give you all the praise and the glory and the honor because we love you and because you deserve it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. Women going to retreat, meeting up here up front shortly. And Leanna with the list.